I think you have to be a phenomenal recruiter, quite frankly. You've got to be able to build relationships. You Recruiting is sales. At, at the heart of it, it's sales. Mm-hmm. And while you know that it's sales, same thing. The second you're trying to be transactional, prospective student-athletes, can they sniff it out. They know you're being a phony. And, and I think that it just kind of comes back to that. If, if you can be authentic, um, you can be successful in this business. If, if you combine that with just an obscene level of care for the people that are in your program, I don't think you can go wrong. You're listening to the Tap into College Golf podcast, where we provide an inside look at the world of college golf. College recruiting consultant Brandy Jackson shares her knowledge of college recruiting, plus interviews with some of the most accomplished coaches and players in college golf. If you are ready to tap into the best tips, stories, and insight, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Brandy Jackson. University of South Florida coach joined me today, um, Erica Brennan, who um, we've known each other off and on for for several years now. We just missed each other a few years, both being in the SoCon, um, myself at Furman and her at Western Carolina, and then um, just through coach business type of um, environment have been able to connect over the years and I've enjoyed following all of what she does um, and excited to have a chance to just chat with her about her recruiting, uh, her coaching background and and getting into college coaching and just that um, it just took over at USF um, just a couple years ago and in that transition and and just her success at the different programs she's been at. So welcome um, to the podcast, Erica. Thanks, Brandy. I'm excited to be here. And this is, I think, such a labor of love for you. I've enjoyed the previous episodes. And I think that this is so important for college golf. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And it, it is. It's always fun to to get the feedback. And, and one of the things that surprised me is some other coaches that have listened to some of these. And that, I guess I wasn't thinking about when I first thought about doing this, but that's just been, and I, and it's honestly, this I probably didn't realize I was going to learn as much in doing this and how much I was going to legitimately enjoy doing these and not just do them just simply out of, okay, I have to record another podcast and tell the parents and players all about stuff. These have been so much fun and I've learned a lot about the coaches and just about college golf again. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. So, um, I'm honored when can get so, so many great coaches on here and, and get a chance to chat with you all and, and learn more and, and, give you all a little bit of an outlet to share about, um, I said a little bit of your, your kind of, um, story getting into college coaching and, and just also some insight on, you know, uh, the college golf scene and, and the girls and in that transition and everything. So lots of questions for you today to, um, to get into and, and feel free to add anything that you want as we go and, and share what, um, you know, what you'd like. Um, just a little background for everybody who's jumping on. Um, so you're in your, this will be your second full season at USF. My second full season at USF. It was interesting. They made a mid-year coaching change, which is incredibly rare actually in college golf, but, um, super difficult to leave mid season at the university of Southern Mississippi, something that I wrangled with a lot. That team and those girls were amazing. Yeah, um, but, I'm sure, but yeah. South Florida, I mean, it's, it's basically a homecoming for me. I grew up in Lake Wales, Florida, University of South Florida is just right here in Tampa. And actually when I started my coaching career, I started NCAA division two at St. Leo university, which is only 20 or 30 minutes up the road. So this was definitely a homecoming 
in a spot that I just love. Yeah, I can't blame you for that. That one, uh, you know, timing's never always the best sometimes. Um, like I said, that mid-year is uh, probably a really tough time on both sides because so unexpected. And then to have to try to figure things out in the middle of the year, even though it's between seasons, you're still in the golf world. You're, st- you're, you're still technically in the middle of the season in a way. It's just kind of that winter break for it. Um, so it's kind of a big adjustment there, I'm sure, for that. and doesn't happen very often. It was. It was a massive adjustment. And I think what was really cool is the student athletes that were at South Florida in that spring season, they were so gracious in that transition. I was actually away from my family, my husband and our daughter, for about three months. So I was down here by myself. Uh, You're meeting an entirely new team um, that, that was made up of some transfers, but also some girls that were starting their career at South Florida. So it was kind of a mixing pot. And what was really cool is we could kind of learn together and uh-huh. And just have a chance in that first spring to just totally overhaul the team culture and start to lay a foundation for what we wanted to build on. Yeah, that's uh, like you said, I'm sure, you know, especially having such a, a mix of like you said, some transfers and all that in there it was probably helped a little bit that maybe not everybody was so set in their their ways and with the previous coach and everything that you're able to come in a little more fresh and and just be able, like I said, be able to get back closer to home probably made that transition easier, especially once your family got there. Um, I'm sure that made it much easier. No doubt. Once the family arrived, it felt like, okay, we're, we're here, we can get settled. But you're right, just that kind of mixing pot definitely lended itself to this kind of we're all in it together mentality, and we can kind of make it what we want it to be together. And that was kind of the message right out of the gate is, is hey, it doesn't have to be like it was. We get a chance to turn the page mid-season and start our story fresh. And, and that's really what we tried to rally around. Nice. Very nice. Well, speaking of a family and everything, tell me, um, I know you have a daughter, tell me a little bit about, you know, kind of juggling that, that family life of being a college coach and the, the commitment and the travel and, and how that, um, you know, how difficult that can be, but at the same time, how, you know, rewarding it can be, especially having a daughter and, and just knowing you're, you're setting such a good example for her, but how, you know, how do you manage that, uh, again, especially even with just the move and them having to move? How's that all been? It's tough. I, I don't think that there's really a, an I, – I don't, I don't know that any coach would tell you that it's easy to be a mom and, and to try to be a successful coach. But what's fantastic is my husband and I are incredibly aligned on what we want out of life and how we're going about getting that. So he has always been the most supportive person and 100%, like just all in, in the camp. What do we need? What do we need to do? Uh, and he really is the rock in our family because I do travel and, and things like that. But our daughter, our daughter, Lou, I mean, she's, she's a spitfire. She's a pistol. She is, will make a strong leader someday. And I can't help that, but think that some of that is because she's around college athletes a lot. We, we try to involve the family in a lot of things that we do with the team. And that has paid dividends, I think, for her growth and, and just kind of seeing those strong female role models. But it's hard. I mean, you just you can't skirt that. There's there's no way around it. There are definitely times and certain times of the year where it is incredibly stressful and incredibly tough. But I think if you just always kind of return the focus to this is what we wanted and, and collectively this is what we're going after, then you can get through any of that. And what's fantastic, I think, is for Lou and and that's what we call her, but she's getting to see a mom that does make sacrifices. And sometimes that sacrifice is sacrificing family for the team and for the program. 
And sometimes that sacrifice is sacrificing the team and the program for family. Yeah. I just hope that at the end of all of it, when, when she grows up, if she chooses to be a mom, that she'll remember that, you know what, her mom worked her butt off, but never at the expense of loving her and loving her father unconditionally. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm sure it is. I mean, I know, um, you know, most uh, men's and women's side of things to be a, a coach and to have the time it takes, like you said, to be successful. And, and yeah, you've got in a way six, seven, eight other daughters that are counting on you to a degree. I mean, it's, you know, when you truly build a family environment with a team, you know, they're not just coming to you at practice. I mean, it's especially some who are international that, you were only here, you know, by themselves and look to you in that sort of sense. Um, I'm sure it's hard a lot of times to, to just want to take care of your players and, and be there for them and, you know, the ups and the downs that they go through, but having to kind of separate that sometimes with, with real family and, and trying to find those priorities. Um, I'm sure that's, you know, very, very tough uh, just to, to figure out, he said, which one, which one does have to come first at certain times and, and which one, you know, the balance between wanting to be successful and wanting to have such a good um, college, you know, team and program, but yet not at the expense of your family, you know, missing out on, on you being there either. No doubt. James Clear actually has a theory that, that my mentor shared with me and it's this, the four burner theory. And the idea is basically, you know, your stove in the kitchen, very rarely are you cooking and are you using all four of those eyes on your stove? Almost always you use two. And you have yeah. two that aren't going. And, and when you make that a metaphor for life, there's going to be times when you're all in and you, the two eyes that you're using is the golf team and the athletic department. And then there's going to be other seasons throughout the year where, you know, maybe, maybe you're not using those and, and you're all in on family and, and getting to spend some quality time with friends. So I, I, I'm not a big proponent of like work life balance in the micro. I don't know that you can achieve it every single day, yeah. but I definitely think over time you can, you can eke out ways to create that balance. And that's what, that's what I try to do. Very true. Good, good, good. Like it. Um, well then just kind of segue into what, what led you into wanting to be a college coach. I know you played, um, I said you were, I guess I just few years graduating behind, um, when I finished at Furman, you finished Western Carolina in 2006 and jumped right into college coaching pretty quick into that, I think. Um, so what led you into, is that something you always knew you wanted to do? Did it, present itself? What kind of got you into college coaching? You know, so I got to play for Steve Lott, who is, oh, yeah. if, if you don't know him, he's, yeah. he's awesome. He is the sweetest man. Um, and he was, a, he was the type of coach that you couldn't find somebody that was going to be more empathetic and more bought in and cared more about our development. And I think that that is an example that in the back of my mind, you know, always stood out. I'll say this, I, I, I'm not proud of it but I was not the most devoted student athlete out there, uh, not by a long shot. And I think that a little bit, what led me into coaching was the chance to, to kind of get a do over and to kind of help young people hopefully realize the lessons that took me a really long time to get to try I to understand them, that. Yeah. Try to get them to that punchline a little quicker than I did. So um, Steve Lott's example was, was always first class. I uh, started at NAIA as a graduate assistant and worked my way through that level. Um, went on to become a certified instructor at the David Ledbetter Golf Academy down at Champions Gate. At the time, was actually the only female certified instructor in North America, so that was a lot of fun. Got to work with with players of a lot of different abilities, but 
being out on the lesson tee all day, every day, I learned that that was not the best fit for me and that I deeply, deeply held relationships in high regard and just being on the lesson tee and feeling like all you were was a swing coach. Sometimes it felt a little more transactional and I, I wanted, I wanted an opportunity to be a little bit more transformational. So college coaching was a natural fit. Like I said earlier, started at NCA D2 coach there for five years was an assistant in the SEC for a year and then transitioned over to Southern Miss uh, was the first opportunity that had to be a D1 head coach was there for two and a half years before moving over to South Florida. Nice. Yes. I, I like what you said about the, the lesson T. I have so much respect for the instructors out there who love that and thrive off of that because that is everything that I just cannot imagine. Same thing being a fit for me um, when I see them and, you know, those, those long days of doing it and the ones that just love that and the, the lessons and there's definitely a need for it and it helps then create, I mean, for me in a way, a, a business for me because these girls are coming up through that. But yeah, I'm, I can only imagine um, that not being, like you said, the relationships out of it, you don't always get to develop that. And I know for me too, that's such a big part of, of what, where I get my energy from and for it just to be that way. And just for me, I never wanted to teach golf swing anyway. So I can imagine that probably getting um, tiresome after a little while and just not quite getting the fulfillment out of it. If you, you know, or, or just craving some more engagement with the players and that kind of stuff that you just don't get, um, you know, just being on the lesson tee with them sometimes. No doubt. And, and same as you, I have huge respect for, for the people that that is their passion. And mm -hmm. as college coaches, we work so closely with swing coaches. You want that to be an incredibly, you know, beneficial, but an incredibly respectful relationship between college coaches and swing coaches. I thank you for doing it right. You embrace that. Um, but, but no, for me, I, I, same as you, I guess I get my energy from, from being in the trenches and, and yeah. building those relationships over hours, days, weeks, and years. And that's one of the things that I love most about coaching college golf. Very nice. Very cool. Um, what, you know, just in, in talking about that, what do you feel like it's, um, obviously I know you've, you've done a great job already there at USF. You've broken some records. You had a couple wins last year. What do you think it takes to be a successful college coach? You know, what are some things I know that's is so different just based off of the environment and all that, but what are just some things that you've, you've learned or you've noted from other coaches that you try to implement that you just see that it takes to, to have that success, um, especially that quick and coming in and taking over that program and done so well. What do you think? Oh, that's really kind of you. I appreciate that. Um, the biggest thing I think you have to be is just wildly authentic and unapologetic for it. Uh, some of the coaches that I love to watch from afar, and I don't even know if they know this, but, you know, you got to respect Dan Brooks and, and what he does and how he's yeah. able to do it. Kelly Hester, for sure. Therese Hessian. And then some of the younger coaches, too. I mean, I, I watch Alexis Bennett at High Point, and, and, and she may not even realize that. But I think what makes all of those people so awesome is they're not doing it in the same way. Yeah. Jeff Hull is <laughs> Furman is not doing it the same way as anybody else. And I think that once you realize that there's space for you to be yourself and space for you to do it in your way, um, I think that that just opens up really your ceiling to be successful. So first and foremost, I think to be a successful coach, you got to know who you are and, and you've got to, you know, never, I, I really hate the platitude. Like I'm just going to do me. 
No, do the best yeah. version of you. <laughs> you know, there's, there's space within that to be yourself, but certainly hold yourself to some values, hold yourself to some morals. Uh, but, but I think you have to know who you are as a coach first and, and recognize that there's a lot of paths to a successful destination. I think you've got to be educated and anymore you've got to keep up with what are the latest trends? What is the technology? You know, what, what are things that are supporting your ability to be successful? You can't let yourself become stagnant. I think you have to be a phenomenal recruiter. Quite frankly, you've got to be able to build relationships. You recruiting is sales at at the heart of it. It's sales. Mm -hmm. And while you know that it's sales, same thing. The second you're trying to be transactional, prospective student athletes can they sniff it out. They know you're being a phony, and and I think that it just kind of comes back to that. If if you can be authentic, um, you can be successful in this business. If if you combine that with just an obscene level of care for the people that are in your program, I don't think you can go wrong. I love, love all that. And I think two points that you may kind of go together of of what I see on my end from a consulting standpoint with the players. Um, It's like you said, you know, be who you are and and don't apologize for it. And the fact that recruiting, like you said, it is a lot of, you know, a sales, um, you know, on the, on the coach's side of things, trying to sell themselves, but making sure those two go together. I think that's the toughest thing that I think myself and the players and that side of things face is trying to figure out where is where are they being sold on something that it's not going to be once they get there and that and sometimes I think it's it's even you know there's always two sides to every story and there's always that but just making sure that that comes up front you know within that context of the recruiting side of things that if this is how you're going to be and this is you know how you are as a coach, just making sure those players know that and that the sale is a, you know, it's not a fake sale, that it is a genuine sale on, on what it's going to be. I think that's been, um, and I think that goes 100% both ways too. I see the players do it just as bad of, yeah, I want to work hard coach and, you know, I'm willing to do all this. And, and then, you know, a couple months in, it gets kind of tough and, or they just start, you know, getting more into the social life or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden they're, you know, their sales pitch as a recruit becomes, you know, kind of phony as well. Uh, but I think too, like I said, just from the, the recruiting side of, of making sure those two go together. I think that's what's so important. Cause like I said, it is all about recruiting. And I think that's one thing that always stood out about you when I first got to know you a little bit. And there was um, a player from here in South Carolina that was talking about coming down to Southern Mississippi. And I'm like, why would you want to go all the way down to Southern Mississippi? <laughs> And then, yeah, I mean, especially just, you know, I can see a little correlation there, especially lower part of South Carolina. There's some similar like vibes there. Um, But then it, I I realized a big part of it. I know even though she stayed, even once you left and I I think she's, I hadn't talked to her, but it seems to be doing well there and everything. But it, I mean, the more I got to know you, the more I was like, well, now I can see why, like, you know, it, it's, you can't go to a place just because of the coach, but that makes it such a better feeling, especially for the parents and the kids when you're going far from home to know you're getting a coach who is just genuine and, and truly going to be who they say they are. And you know what you're getting into and you're not going to be halfway across the country. And, you know, there's going to be times where athletes are not going to be happy and there's going to be tough times, but you know, when they don't just feel totally abandoned or, or just totally misled once they get there. No doubt. You have, you have to be, 
unequivocally yourself. And, and first off, Hattiesburg is like a sleeper cool city. I, I know that sometimes Mississippi gets a bad rap, but the reality is Hattiesburg is actually a really cool town. Nice. Um, and, and, and I think part of the reason why I know exactly you're talking about why she chose to go there, but um, here's the thing, like in our recruiting messaging, when you get on the phone with me as a coach and things like that, I say ain't, I say y'all, I don't shy away from that. I'm not trying to be somebody that I'm not like, even in our recruiting messaging, you know, it's not a five paragraph essay that is the most polished thing. What's really cool is that works for some programs and that's exactly what they should be doing because that aligns with who they are. Our recruiting messages messaging is incredibly casual. It's incredibly lighthearted and fun, but, but that's, that's the type of coaching you're going to do South Florida anyway. So I just think that, you know, being consistent is, is just massively important. And I don't know, like for young coaches and things like that, I mean, you don't, you just really don't, you you do not have to change who you are to try to, to try to fit that. And you can go wrong very quickly, especially in recruiting when you're trying to be one, one way to one prospect and you're trying to be a different way to another prospect. Cause the reality is they talk. And, yes, and, yes. and they, they, like I said, they can sniff that out very quickly. Yes. Oh yeah. I can, um, can attest to that. And I, I just had a call with a player this morning that kind of felt that way. Um, or might've been yesterday. I had that similar conversation of, you know, just, just not feeling that genuine you know, vibe with, with what the coach was saying. And, and again, it's, if maybe that coach is genuinely being who he or she is, but that just may be their more kind of, tendency of, of how they are and I'm like if that's not the vibe you feel and that you want then that's not where you should go um, but sometimes you want to dig a little deeper sometimes and maybe you know find out for sure but a lot of that is if that's how you're going to be then certainly is how you need to be you know when you're talking to the recruits and like I said not one way to one and a different way to another and again I, every part of this process is so much a two-way street like I said I deal with the players on that side of it and and then consulting them of, of making sure they're kind of the same way of not you know, when they ask me to help them with their emails or stuff like that, my job is not to go fix the email for them and make it perfect. If they're going to have a few, not mistakes, but if they've got some, you know, some ways that they word things or things that kind of reflect who they are, I just don't want it going out, obviously, in just a total jumbled mess. Um, But I also want it to reflect who they are. Because if I sit here and edit everything for them and put it in my words, then you know, you're not going to get the true them. Um, but if they can maybe learn a little bit about how to write a little bit better and express themselves a little bit better then that's, you know, for me, that's my goal with it. But just like I said, everybody's got to really be, um, genuinely who they are and try to put together. I think the kids are still kind of figuring that out sometimes. Um, and even some coaches I'm sure are, but, um, just trying to put that genuine, you know, cells out there is just so important during this whole process. I agree. Completely. Well, how do you feel? Um, it was once the talk a little bit about once the players get there, and you know, how do you feel? I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, but how do you feel like your impact as a coach makes a difference in the girls that you have? You know, what do you see being some of their biggest takeaways, or even just a, an example or something where you see that? Um, you know, obviously, it's a little bit of a time to let you kind of maybe brag a little bit about what you are able to do, but you know, what do you see? You know, that being. I think one of my biggest strengths is, is really that relational side of the house. Um, I, I feel incredibly at home with swing mechanics. I feel very at home with course management. 
there's nothing on the technical side that necessarily I feel like jams me up. I've worked really hard over the past few years to increase my skills in those areas. But I think one of the things that, that our program does well, and, and this is a ton of credit as well to coach Dalton Stevens, who coaches with us is we've, we prioritize relationships and we hope that when you leave South Florida, that you're an even better version of the day that you got there. And if we can measure our success by that matrix, what's really cool is I think golf performance and being a good human being, I don't think that those are inversely related. In fact, I think the opposite is true. I think that uh, using golf as a vehicle and as a method of kind of helping coach those life skills is, is really kind of how we set things up. So the great golf is going to come. I mean, that, that's our job is to be a golf coach, but we look at it as a little bit more than that. And one thing that I think we do really well is we don't try to change people kind of going back to that, that theme of authenticity is, you know, leaders lead for the most part, they're going to emerge themselves. We may encourage it a bit or, or try to nudge some people along, but the reality is leaders are going to lead and we're not trying to teach you that it's one best style or one best way. We're, we're trying to take all of the strengths that make that golfer and that student athlete awesome to begin with and just trying to build upon those strengths and, and refine them. And like I said, hopefully when they leave our program, they go out and they equip, they're equipped and they feel like, you know what, like I'm an awesome young person and I feel confident that I can make an impact and kind of whatever they choose. So I think that's, that's, that's something that we do in our program that we prioritize. We're incredibly intentional about it. And you are going to be a better golfer when you leave the university of South Florida. We know that we know that we can make you a better golfer, but the bigger challenge and the fun challenge is we're going to make you a better person too. And I, I love that. I eat it up. It's, it's what, it's what, motivates me to get out of bed in the morning and it's what makes me feel like what I'm doing is important Mm -hmm. and that's something that man we just don't we don't take that for granted we 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 make it a priority and we kind of fight for that every day nice nice yeah I mean yeah that's the thing I mean you you get to be a college golfer for four years and you hope your golf game gets better and you get to do some great things but I mean, I know you probably, just like you said, talking about Steve, who I actually have, have talked to some um, over the past year or especially the past couple of months about um, back during the Southern Conference Tournament. Um, and it's like you said, what you, so much of what you take from those four years isn't, you know, isn't the improvement in your golf game. And it's, it's so much more than that and so much bigger. Um, even if they don't always get it while they're there, a lot of times they're going to look back and realize, um, you know, so much more to becoming a better person and, and becoming just a better overall athlete than it is just trying to improve your golf game. Um, and I, and then working with all the players and in trying to help find them, you know, right fits and everything. That's such an important attribute of a coach who, you know, is going, is gonna be willing to do that and, and push them to, just like you said, to be so much more than just a golfer and, and so much better than just trying to get their golf game, you know, where it needs to be. Awesome. Um, well, what do you see, um, both on kind of both sides of maybe what some of the biggest struggles for the, the players that you have, as well as, you know, what's some of the things that you see them be able to overcome or be, 
uh, be good at that helps him be more successful. You can kind of hit both of those probably at the same time. Um, you know, the, the strengths, weaknesses, the struggles, the, the upsides, what do you see for the girls, um, you know, so far in your career? I think one of the, the biggest struggles that I see or the area that I feel like we spend a lot of time and in, in kind of working on the day they arrive is a lot of them haven't really faced a ton of adversity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not convinced that that's their fault, but they've always kind of been the best uh, as at, at the levels that they've competed at. And a lot of them come from such fantastic families, which is a major, major, you know, pro. That's a great thing. But a lot of them haven't really faced really tough adversity. And when that hits, and it inevitably does, usually in the first semester in some way, shape, or form, I don't know that they're as resilient from the start as, as maybe college coaches would want them to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we try to do with that is, is to that point, like it's not really their fault. <laughs> if, if, yeah. they haven't, if they haven't had those trials and tribulations, then certainly they haven't gained the skills and how to work through those things. So that's where we come in and we try to, we try to educate. We try to kind of come alongside them in those moments. Um, we try not to be preachy or, or, you know, this isn't that big of a deal. Well, the reality is no matter what it is, when you're going through it, it's a big deal. Yeah. And my judgment on the severity of that is totally, I mean, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the old adage like, oh, well, that's just puppy love. Well, it's still love to the puppies. Yeah. And, and so trying to kind of meet them where they're at is something that we try to do. Um, I think I, I would love, and I mean, the problem is, is you wouldn't wish adversity on anyone. Um, but I do wish that we, with our young people, kind of work to foster and build in those skills earlier so that when the adversity did hit, you know, they felt like, hey, I'm on top of this. Like I can, I can handle this and move forward. Yeah. Yes, yes, I can completely attest to to that and seeing that with some players. Like you said, no matter what level they go to, most all the girls are coming out as having been the best player, if not maybe the second best um, behind somebody who's maybe a little bit older. And, you know, we do kind of live in a world of trying to prevent you know, we, there's so much education out there and so many how-tos. And then a little bit of my job is to try to help. I mean, I probably make the, the process a little more stressful because I make players do a lot of the work, um, but trying to help prevent the mistakes that we all made and, and trying to help get them a little bit more ahead. And sometimes maybe it creates an environment that doesn't let them figure it out on their own or, or fail as easy as it was maybe when we came through or, you know, I said, and then the girls get there and they're, you know, so used to being best player in their area or their high school. And all of a sudden they're struggling to just qualify or, you know, just, just having a tough time with school and all that. And they, they think high school was tough and what they had and they just get this whole other world. And it's like I said, it's hard sometimes. I think I always ask a lot of coaches, you know, how can, how can they be pre- more prepared when they get there? And there's some things and some things that naturally happen, but I think sometimes it is hard to create those scenes um, just because I think some of it is a little bit of the world we live in and, and so much more education and preventative things are out there. I think that it's a little harder to, to create that adversity environment, but I do see that happen. And in a lot of players that just had, had it so easy and all of a sudden they get there and it's just like running into a brick wall of, you know, of just ups and downs and they're, you know, the the coaches and everything they thought it was going to be or the other girls on the team, you know, they don't get along with and just so many things start to add up and you're just not used to that. 
especially in golf where, you know, you go from being an individual to being on a team. Um, it's a big adjustment. It's a massive adjustment. And it's one of the only sports that's, that's kind of like that. I mean, if you think about it at some of the highest levels of junior golf, and, and I know that some of the friendships that are forged out there are lifelong friendships, but, but there's still an element of competition. You still want to beat that person, whether you're their friend or not. And then all of a sudden you get to college and it's like, wait a minute, I want to be successful, but I need these other four girls to be wildly successful today too. So it totally flips the script. And, uh, and there definitely, I think is an adjustment to that. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I actually think young people do so much better than my generation. I'm an, I'm a incredibly early millennial, like the very first year of millennials. Um, but I think something that this generation does so well is they're incredibly creative and there, there is kind of this, this socially conscious drive behind them. And, and there are issues and things like that, that they're wildly passionate about and have been taught that they can tactfully, you know, challenge the status quo. And if you can channel that creativity and channel that, um, I, I guess that's really the only way I can know how to describe it is, is kind of tactfully challenging the status quo. If you can channel those two things in the right direction, um, you can actually create a culture around your program where your student athletes feel wildly empowered and, and you know, they respect the fact that when they say something that the coaches have taken it to heart. Um, Like how, I mean, how we do it, like it it is so far from being a dictatorship at South Florida. Um, It's very much, I I would say kind of a democracy and and we kind of tell them that, Hey, like at at practices and things like that, for the most part, we're in charge. We're going to set up practice structures to try to make you the most successful person you can be. We're going to back that up with your stats. So we're always going to take the time to kind of explain the why, why am I doing these drills and why is my teammate doing something differently? So we're going to kind of take the time to explain that. But we tell them for the most part at practice, we're, we're setting things up for you to be successful. However, if there's something that you think would be better, we'd love to hear your ideas. Open door, come in anytime and say, Hey, this is what we need. We had girls this past spring, right in the thick of it, right in the middle of midterms. We, we'd been traveling. We'd been playing 36-hole tournaments a lot. And one of the seniors came to us and said, uh, hey, we are working hard. We love it. Is there any way we could get a day off? We asked her to explain why and things like that. And when she explained why, it's like, absolutely. Tomorrow's going to be a day off. And I think that just that concession led things forward so much because then they knew there was evidence to support that their ideas had value and that their ideas had merit. We tell them once we get to a tournament that they're in charge. So once we, once we, once we get on site and that practice rounds over and we've kind of talked through what our strategy and what our plan of attack will be for the next day. But when we get to that first round that morning, we tell them that they're in charge and we are not above running back to the cooler to get them something or, you know, I forgot my umbrella in the van. No worries. We're going to get it. Like we, we do smooth the path for them on competition days. And again, that's a hundred percent with intention because we know that if we take a few seconds to go get their umbrella instead of drawing a line in the sand and be like, why can't you be responsible? You have to be able to do these things. We're going to get their honest assessment in the middle of the round coach. I'm feeling really great right now. If there's another teammate that you feel like you could help more, I actually feel really good. 
awesome. Nice. Or, hey, I'm really struggling and I know that that par five's coming up in two holes and I'm not entirely sure what I want to do. Can you stay with me? We know that because we've built that equity in by letting them have uh, basically control and that we're kind of servant leaders, that we get that back. Our return on investment is tenfold because once they're playing, we know that we're going to get honesty as they're kind of going through their rounds. And if, if, if it's something as simple as going to grab your umbrella, I'll make that trade a hundred times over uh, for yeah, your honesty. Yeah. I think sometimes it's, I think you got to definitely figure out where to pick your battles and what lessons to teach and not, you know, I'm sure as much as you've done it, you do kind of learn that as to where to, where and when to teach those lessons and, and where to kind of build that trust. And, uh, you know, some of the little things might just completely make them later on not want to, you know, be as honest with you or whatever, because they may still be mad at you about something, you know, sure, that's such a battle of learning where, you know, like I said, where that line's drawn and, and when to draw it and, and when not to and all that such a, um, such a learning curve, I'm sure. It is. And it's a, it's a dance and it's a dance that sometimes you're, you're moving to the beat and you're, and you're looking <laughs> super, super awesome out there on the dance floor and sometimes not as much. But, you know, the other thing is, is, is that can be different for each player and employing situational leadership as long as you are constantly communicating and constantly letting people know that, Hey, I'm not going to treat you all the same. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to treat you all the same, but I'm going to treat you all equitably. And, and hopefully this is kind of what this looks like as a senior, you will have earned a boatload of autonomy because you will have earned that. Yeah. And so you may see me slightly more hands off with a senior Whereas first semester freshman, Hey, we're going to be, we're going to kind of be on top of you, making sure that you're getting to tutoring appointments, making sure that you're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, but we're doing that so that we can equip you to then let go of the reins as, as you kind of progress. But as long as you're explaining that from the outset so that you don't run into issues where, you know, well, why are you doing this for this one or not doing that for me? And as long as you're being incredibly transparent, you can, you can be a situational leader without it being a, a negative. Yes. Yes. Well, that actually answers a couple of the questions and I, I haven't asked as many of the coaches so far about, you know, treating, learning how to treat players individually and, and not as a team and how to adapt. Um, I know that's something that a lot of the recruits kind of look for and, and try to learn a little bit with, you know, which coaches do that. Um, and I know some coaches just really work hard on recruiting to try to recruit a lot of players who are very similar so that they don't have to adapt as much. And then others, you know, end up with a very mixed team. Um, and I know that's a, a big struggle because, again, you're looking at such individual sport that all of a sudden meshes into a team. Um, but any other thoughts on on ways that you um, have, have kind of learned to, um, you know, to, to treat them each different um, and spend time with them individually versus a team? What's some other things that you've, you know, whether it's, you know, certain activities or drills or just certain things that you do that kind of help create that um, team environment, but yet knowing you've got true individuals in there. Sure. I think, I think intuition and, and EQ, you, as, as a successful coach, I think you've got to possess a pretty high skill set in that area to, to just first off, be able to sense that some people need to be treated differently than others in order to be successful. So I think that's the first step. Uh, we are not, <laughs> we're not big proponents of manufactured fun. 
So we don't do a ton of, Hey, we're going out for this team building exercise today and it's going to be awesome. Like we don't really manufacture it in that way. We're just like huge proponents in the conversation and, and letting those relationships kind of build organically. So one thing that coach Stevens and I both do, and again, with full intention is there's times when we'll take our laptops out of our offices and go sit in the team room in the team lounge. And inevitably, you know, girls are in and out studying before, you know, uh, before tests and, and when they have the time and just being amongst it, it's amazing what types of conversations you can get into. I mean, some conversations with some real depth and some real, here's kind of my family background. I mean, you can unpack a ton of things just by getting amongst it. So with full intention, um, we will prioritize that type of of relationship building over a ropes course. Um, I think that there's a place for that stuff. I think that you can use it and make it awesome. Um, but I definitely think that the foundation, at least the way we do it at USF is, is always going to be just quality conversation and, and sometimes not quality conversation, sometimes just laughing hysterically over something, (laughs) you know, that's on animal planet, a Corgi race or something ridiculous. And just kind of those shared moments and shared memories, I think is, is how we try to do it. And then as far as to your point of recruiting athletes that kind of all fit the same mold or a mixed bag where we are very much a mixed bag team. And that's something that I don't think that will waver from as we continue to build the program. I think that diversity is incredibly important. Um, I certainly don't want a team full of people that reflect my personality. I don't want a team full of people that, that have any type of personality. We, we do want, we do want that mixed bag because I think that that's so representative of the real world once they graduate um it is we we try to actually halt the assimilation at all times we're we're gonna have shared values and shared commitments but we're we very much kind of prioritize the the individual within that matrix yeah that's such a good point again i think some through going through the process and I found myself with a thin line of trying to help girls find a comfortable fit in a comfortable environment that, you know, really does uh, kind of reflect who they are and you're trying to find all that. But then there's also a line of wanting to throw them into something that is out of their element or, you know, giving them that diversity or maybe getting them a little bit farther from home or maybe a little bit bigger environment you know, than what they may think. There's such a, a thin line there between, you know, creating an environment that's that's similar and comfortable and, you know, and, and it just fits what everybody else is like with, you know, putting them a little bit into a mix of things and making them have to learn to adjust. Cause just like you said, that's more than likely what the real world is going to be like for many of them going into their jobs and, and that kind of stuff. And it's just one more phase of their life that they don't get adjusted to yet. Uh, but obviously there's that balance. If you throw too much at them, you know, then you can you know, really get them out of their element and you lose them and, and lose you know, their confidence and that kind of stuff. So I, I, I like to hear, hear the comparisons there. And I, I do see different, different dynamics of what works for certain coach. And I think some of it's a little bit of a coach personality is how well the coach can adjust to the different personalities as well. Um, as much as, you know, the players being able to, um, and, and trying again, just trying to find that fit of which ones can handle it, which ones might need it a little bit just to, you know, for the bigger picture of, of their life beyond college golf again. That's, that's actually one of my, one of my favorite things about coaching is even during tournament rounds is, 
however they're coming to, let's say you're on a par three and however the girls are coming to you in the lineup is as a head coach, I get really excited by the challenge of having to flex to what each person yeah. needs in that moment. And it's, it's one of my favorite things. We've, we've talked about it to the team at length and we've, we've kind of jokingly coach Stevens and I will kind of like act out scenarios for them and they just crack up laughing. Cause you know, one comes and she just went bogey double, you know, and, and unfortunately the sky is falling and somebody kicked their dog and it's just not a good day. And yeah you got to be, you got to meet them where they are. You know, that's yeah, not yeah. the person that you're walking up to and Hey, how's it going today? We're going to hit a seven yeah. iron. It's going to be great. Like that's not what they need from you in that moment. Um, and, and then six minutes behind them, here comes the next one. And they just went birdie, birdie, birdie. And man, life is good. The sunshine and the rainbows are out and they're riding down the course on their unicorn. And <laughs> it, I mean, it just, it could not be more of a banner day for them. And yeah. you know, what do you have to do as a coach to flex and encourage that, but not let them get ahead of themselves? I love the challenge of flexing to what people need throughout the day. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a riot. And I don't, I actually don't find it exhausting. I get so much energy from, from that challenge. It's, it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, I I can, I, I've never really, I mean, I guess I've thought about that, but you just don't really think about how much you have to adjust to that. And just, you know, just, just like I said, with, with players just coming off a totally different environments or just them being different and how they handle it no matter what. Um, and then, then just having to, you know, to change your, your mentality from one to another, um, you know, I, I, I can kind of relate to that a little bit. I've always been the type of person that like tends to conform to whoever I'm around and, and how they are um, just to make them feel a little bit more comfortable. So I can, can see where that it's a little bit, it's, it's like you said, it's kind of a challenge almost. It's, it's a little bit of energy building that like you can figure out a way to make whoever you're with, you know, feel more comfortable or learn to adapt to, to them as opposed to, you know, well, in some cases I think you might have to, not necessarily adapt to them, but you need to maybe bring them to a different level, but what level does that need to be in it? It's not always just going to be the level that you were just at, maybe necessarily based off of, like I said, who was in front of them or something like that. No doubt. It's um, uh, it's always a challenge, but it's, it's one that, that we embrace and, and one that becomes, you know, in, in the evenings at dinner and things like that. And you're, and you're kind of talking back through some of the stuff. I mean, they do, they, they will laugh nonstop at, at, you know, us, kind of reenacting some of that stuff for them. And they're like, what? No way. Really? Like, was it like that? And it, it just kind of becomes a lighthearted moment at the, at the end of the day, which is, which is a hoot. Nice. Nice. Well, let's, um, I know we're kind of getting to the point of wrapping it up, but one of the favorite things that I've enjoyed hearing from everybody, um, is, you know, what is, you know, what is one of the funniest things? I know you talked about you, y'all don't do a lot of like set up, like, um, you know, holiday kind of stuff necessarily, or those kind of get together things, which I know that's been a couple of the coaches stories. And then some have just been recruiting stories, but what's one of the, the funniest things that you've had through recruiting or coaching, um, or maybe even during your college golf days, it just stands out. It's just, um, it was just a good, good fun story. Um, or maybe two that you have, um, what comes to mind? Uh, it's, it's a no brainer for me. And it takes me back to university of Southern Mississippi and the student athletes involved were Mackenzie Kelly and Emily Ross, who are both just incredible young people. Um, but they played a prank on me and they got me so good. So it was Valentine's Day and I was down in the athletic training room 
and our secretary called me back up to the lobby and they're like, can you come up here? Like you've, you've got a visitor or whatever the case. I was thinking like maybe my husband sent me flowers or something. So I was kind of excited. I had a, I had a little pep in my step. I was heading up there and I got up there and there were six college guys in tuxedos with tails and red uh, bow ties. Goodness. And they started singing an acapella version of Let Me Call You Sweetheart. Oh, wow. Two of the girls, so, so Mac and Emily, had actually bought me a singing telegram. Oh, goodness. And what was a hoot is they knew what time they were coming. So they actually showed up and got to watch it. But the problem was, is like, at first I thought like, okay, maybe this is a joke or somebody's playing a prank on me. So I wanted to laugh, like just the entire nature of, of these men singing yeah. Song, I wanted to laugh. But what I realized very quickly is yes, it was a quote prank, but those guys were taking it seriously. They didn't know it was a prank. They thought they were coming to serenade me and had been paid to serenade me. So, like, as I'm trying not to laugh at just the hilarity of the moment, I realized, like, oh my God, out of respect for these guys, like, I have to say, sit here for this entire duration of the song oh, wow. and just receive it and just take it in because these guys were so into it. And it was not a funny thing. You know, there were no gorilla suits. Like these guys came to sing to me and they got me so good because for three and a half minutes, I had to stand six feet in front of these guys and just smile and enjoy, enjoy this singing telegram. So that is, that is a memory that I will never forget. And I don't know how to get them back because it was, it was so well thought out, so well executed and you know, has become a story that we tell over and over and it kind of always ends in laughter. So that is the funniest, one of the funniest moments. And then just really cool because Mac and and M like, you know, they knew they got me and they got me in a way I felt like that was so like, it spoke to the fact that they knew me and that they knew I would be trapped in that situation, but that I would still have to play it you know, straight laced out of respect and just the, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they got me. They got me good. Uh, You said, yeah, just the fact that you had to just sit there and and you couldn't, you couldn't take it as much of a prank as you wanted to without, you know, like you said, just, it's kind of disrespecting the guys that (laughs) a lot more funnier. Yeah. Yeah, Just, you know, that's, that's good. That that would be a good one as opposed to just a totally silly, like singing gram or whatever that um, that's good. Very yeah. good. Very good. Like I said, I love these. These have been some of my funniest ones is, is hearing the stories. Cause you know, that's the thing. I mean, you see everybody post the coaches post on social media and, and they do share, but you just don't always really just get to see the, the good behind the scenes of, of what goes on the good and bad. I mean, you know, and I was and sometimes it's hard for coaches when they're still in positions who might be going through things to, to come sometimes share the not as, as good part of things. Um, you know, you, you don't want just like with how we talk about with social media. I mean, obviously you can't put on social media, you know, well, I just had a player transfer because, you know, she's, you know, for whatever reason, you can't share all that kind of stuff. Um, and even on here, you know, you have to, we have to kind of keep it to mostly positive things. Cause again, it's, you know, just a little bit of politics and all that. Um, but it's just good to hear what really goes on in the college golf world and, and just the, the fun parts to it. Um, again, we're very, very obvious that there's, you know, it's not all, you know, roses and butterflies, but just to, to hear some of the, just the good, the good parts to it and just how fun it can be. And, and just how, um, just that bonding and in the team and in the girls and just how they can, can, you know, 
interact and relate and create such a good environment and how much the coaches just get out of those kinds of things has been, has been a lot of, as like I said, a lot of fun for me just to hear the stories. Um, that's one, that's one question that I've definitely tried to make sure that I don't skip, um, and talking to all of the coaches. <laughs> and, and some of the answers have been awesome. It's, it's been cool to, to kind of hear that, but man, yeah. you can't, you can't appreciate the valleys. Um, or I'm sorry, you can't appreciate the summits until you've walked through the valleys. So there may be some days in this job that are tough. Um, but I'll say this, I feel like they're few and far between. And as soon as you lose perspective and as soon as you figure out that you're, you you take it for granted. I mean, we work in the candy store of American (laughs) business. Yes. And I think if you, if you're operating from always from a place of gratitude, you're going to be just fine in this business. And even the, the bad days, you know, they, they just, they pale in comparison to the rewards and, and what makes this job awesome. Yeah, that's it's definitely good to hear and very um, comforting to hear when when coaches feel that way and that it's um, not you know like there's not just always this total dark side to everything that you just don't don't see that some people I feel like may try to try to create. Um, well, I know we're kind of getting kind of close to the end. Obviously, I have my, my question that I ask everybody at the end, but just want to give you a chance. Um, I'm probably going to keep you on a little bit after this. I'm going to, you know, for some um, rapid fire questions that I want to um, want to do, but want to wrap up this segment, but want to give you a chance if there's anything else. I know you saw the list of questions that I go over. We didn't quite get to all of them, but we touched on majority of them. But is there anything that we didn't talk about that you feel like, Good time to share, like I said, whether it's with, you know, the parents and players out there, other coaches, um, you know, whoever that might be that you just feel like uh, would be good to share while we're still on here. I think on the recruiting side of the house is in, and especially for parents is let your, let your daughter steer the ship. And as hard as that is to relinquish that control, uh, I can only speak for myself, but I would actually rather get a non-polished email that feels like it was written from your daughter than the one that it's so obvious that dad wrote it because there's just no way that the daughter would speak that way. Um, that, that I think is just so important. And, and when you get a prospect that you can tell it's them and that they're not afraid to, to kind of inject a little bit of their personality into it. Mm-hmm. I actually think that those prospects become even more sought after. There's a lot of junior golfers out there that can shoot 75. Um, you know, so, so which one of those is going to be the best fit for your team and your program. And I think that's just such an easy way to set yourself apart. Um, because man, the, the amount of emails that come in daily to coaches, I mean, it, there's a lot of noise just from a sheer volume standpoint Mm -hmm. and almost always, you know, that email that you can tell was written by dad. It's tough to plug through, you know, the 400 words that they wrote and, (laughs) You, when you get one that you can tell it's this prospect that's like, what's up coach? My name's Sally Jones and you know, Tampa's really cool. I like the fact that it's close to downtown and we went to the beach there growing up, which I think is super cool. Like yeah. that's one that I'm like, Ooh, okay. You know, that piques my interest and definitely makes me want to learn more. So I just think it's so important to, to let your daughter steer that ship and know that even though she's going to do it kind of with her own flair and her own flavor, that for the most part, college golf coaches are actually going to resonate, resonate, excuse me, with that way more coming from them. Yes, yes, very, very true. Like I said, I, I know for myself and in, in doing this and, and learning that, you know, I always give players kind of templates for for what to do um, and I try to try to let it be 
to just encourage them to make it their own that, yeah, there's certain things you need to include and you need to make it, you know, easy to read and, and easy to adjust and, and all that, but just to, um, or, you know, easy to, easy to access. Um, but just to, to still let it be them and, and try to do it in a way that's not over the top, but yet is them. And it's like I said, it's, you know, there's, there's so many just standard boring things that come in. And when you get something that's just a little bit different, it just, it, it does, it just stands out. And when you know, it's, the player doing it and, and them trying to make an effort and, and they're trying to do it themselves, even if it's not completely perfect, just you know, so much, so much better than just a standard form letter or like I said, a, a parent going in and just correcting everything. I have one that does that and oh, it drives me crazy because I just, you know, I, I get wanting to, that's why I'm always like, just let me help correct it because you can you know, find that, that line of correcting it without or just helping them correct it themselves or helping them learn. Okay. I can't have all these, spellings incorrectly and I can't you know can't have all this but still have their I said their personality to it I can talk about that all day long obviously because yeah yeah no but I mean (laughs) that's the world you live in and that's the world we live in exactly yeah just be man I feel like I harp on it so much but just being yourself is just such a cool way to live Exactly. Yes. Very true. Well, um, let me ask, like I said, one of the things I want, you know, my, my kind of go-to question for everybody to wrap this up is, um, you know, the name of the podcast is tap into college golf and just want to know, you know, when you're, you're there in the moment with a player last hole there, you know, got a chance to a short little putt, maybe it's not a tap in, but, um, you know, a short putt to win a big event, to qualify for something, and you're there with them, you know, what's your advice to them? What do you tell them? Again, I know it's different depending on the player and, and all these different scenarios or whatever, but what comes to mind that, that you feel like you can kind of bring to, to them to remind them, um, you know, as they get ready to, to make that putt? I mean, I think the biggest thing is if they don't have access to live scoring is I'm never going to offer that information to them. Um, I will, I will never stand on the green and go, by the way, make this one and you can win the event. Um, that just seems like a great way to add extra pressure. Uh, so if they don't know, I'm not telling them. Um, I think as a coach, what I try to do is I want to be absolutely flatline as far as not giving any indication at all whatsoever that something is more important or less important than any other shot that they've hit over the past 54 holes. So I think, I mean, like with any short putt, honestly, um, and, and, and I'm talking about a short putt, certainly not a mid-range putt or anything like that, is unless it's a crazy big break, I'm, I'm always going to be saying firm and center because I think that actually gives them one of the best chances of it going in the hole. And if they put a good stroke on it, those tend to go in more than when they're trying to steer the putter anyway. Yeah, um, very true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're going to go, we're going to go super flat line on the personality as far as, Um, Just trying to be incredibly consistent with how I've interacted with them over the last couple of days of the event. And then unless, again, if the read's crazy or it's outside the hole, of course, right, we're going to make that adjustment. But if it's a super super short putt, um, we're going to go firming in. And the last thing that I'm going to do is is just finish with some sort of just wild encouragement. Like, you've got this. See it in you got this yeah and just keep it super simple and when those go in and those kids have that moment man it's a it's a lot of fun because as they're getting the ball out of the hole then you can tell them what just happened and and that's 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 always a lot of fun but um yeah firming in awesome okay even with some encouragement 
Nice. I like it. I, I, I do. I like it. It's a little bit of, of times that I caddied. It's, it's very similar philosophy that I think I've always tried to, to hand off. And again, those have always been fun to, to listen to. And, and just even the, a question one of the coach might ask back about, well, is this for, you know, that sometimes needs to know all the information before they know. <laughs> right. Right. You know, that, that was like, well, I didn't realize that it needed to be known all that. So I've learned how to press right. it. And if the podcast is called tap into college golf, then the reality is, is the putt is a tap in, right? Like I had to clarify that. No need to overthink it. Just firm center in and very true. Yes. Well, I have enjoyed chatting with you. Um, I knew that we probably would go a little long on this one. So I hope everybody that's been listening in has been, has enjoyed the chat. Um, I figured, I was getting to talk that we probably would just, um, you know, like I said, I know you're probably a lot like me and can just talk about this stuff all day. It's just, um, you know, just so I know you're so passionate about it and, and the coaching and, and the, the players and all that. And when you are, it's just so easy to just talk and, and just share everything. So again, I'm just you know really grateful that you jumped on with me. I know this became very super last minute. I know it's a busy, busy time with lots of junior tournaments going on right now and school starting and, and everything. So just uh, really appreciate the time and, and the information and, and um, you know, just the, the friendship that, you know, developed through, um, through being in a very similar business and everything. So thanks again for joining. Um, any last parting words that you might have for anybody as, as we wrap it up? Thank you so much for having me on. That's uh, it's the, I consider it an honor. I've enjoyed watching what you do and how you do it. I think you're an inspiration to a lot of college coaches with how cl- closely you work with, with us and building those relationships. Certainly what you're doing with this girl loves golf. I mean, it's just, it's always fun to see you tackle new projects. And I think you jump in with such gusto that it's hard not to have that energy be contagious. So thank you for creating this podcast and, giving us an outlet to kind of share our thoughts. Uh, the last thing that I'm going to say, and, and you're not going to find it as any sort of big shock, but y'all just be yourselves and don't, don't shy away from it. Just walk fully into the light of who you are and own it and be yourself. Awesome. Well, I, I love it. And again, thanks for joining and, and thanks for everybody out there that joined in on this episode. And I'll see you on the next episode of Tap Into College Golf. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Tap Into College Golf. For more information, you can visit www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at bjacksongolf. See you next time.